Hello, this is Talking Life brought to you by Created Out of Mind at Welcome. I'm Susanna Howard, and here I'm talking with Roberta McKee Jackson on the power of support groups. Roberta cared for her partner Noel for many years, and on a sad note, during the process of making these podcasts, Noel passed away. I received an email from Roberta, who fully supports this podcast being heard by people. She said, I will continue to be involved in support groups, research, and hopefully in the future, do more with my new passion for helping others, sharing experiences, and spreading the word about rare dementias. feeling about life at the moment, Roberta? Um, It's a little bit fractured, but (laughs) pretty good for the most part. We first met through the support group at UCL, and um, I was taken when we had our first conversation how you said how important it was for you, and also how you sort of found it by accident. Um, I did. I I know when Noel was diagnosed at Queen's Square, they did mention there was a support group, but it took a while for us to actually get through the mechanics of being a part of that group. Um, The first meeting I actually attended was a carers-only meeting. And I think that since then, I've tried to attend all the meetings for both the support group as well as the carers meetings. I found them to be tremendously important in the fact that you can share knowledge, um, particularly when I first went, was with people who already been along the same path that we were just kind of starting out on at that point in time. Um, There's so much you can learn from the people that are there. Um, Real life experiences and how you deal with certain situations, rather than trying to look it up on the internet because, you know, you can find a lot of things there, but you don't, you find more the clinical side of how things happen. This is people's real life experiences and how they actually deal with a, a specific situation. And I imagine that it can be a bit shocking at the, at the beginning when you're um, hearing people further along the, the road. Yes, as a matter of fact, it was. In fact, the very first meeting I went to, um, there was some was someone there who was actually speaking, I think it was on behalf of the Alzheimer's Society, and her husband didn't have a rare dementia, but she was explaining the process of having him in a care home, and then she brought him back home and nursed him at home for like another six or seven years. So a very, very lengthy process. And it was quite frightening in a lot of respects. Um, and certainly some of the other people that I was in the, that were in the audience with me, I, I viewed it also, though, as I'm one who would much rather know what's coming in front of me um, and have some idea, realizing that our experience not be, may not be quite like that, but at least it gave me some sort of a perspective. But that was a very difficult for your very first introduction, you know, to a group um, to hear that. So, and did those sort of dealing with those difficulties help help bond you at all with other people there? Did was that sort of an opening conversation with other people? Um, it was, and it was it was interesting because before going to that meeting, um, Jill Walton had given me some information about other people, partially who lived in the area where we do that um, had PCA and were willing to be contacted. And I was quite surprised to learn that there was actually someone else in our small town whose husband was affected by PCA as well, and quite a few in neighboring communities as well. What did so, that feel like to well, these people? It, it was kind of interesting. I didn't actually meet the lady until I 
was at the meeting, but we did just kind of connect right away. Um, and she's turned out to be a truly good friend. And unfortunately, she has lost her partner. But as difficult as that has been, she's continued to be very supportive of Noel and I both, and particularly to help me through a lot of things. What's her name? Valerie. Valerie. Yes, okay. yes. And um, she has just been rock steady um, through so much, and um, it's it's been very helpful. Sort of as a part of the, um, the main support groups, I found that there was um, a, a group through Facebook that had been started, which was also very good. And when I first joined, there were less than, I believe, 200 members, and now I think there's probably a over 600 members, maybe even more than that, worldwide. When was that? When was that, that it was the 200? That would have been probably in um, late 2012. So that's, where are we now, 2017? So five, five years. years five years been, on. There, that change. Yes. And so it, interesting that it's five years. So do you feel like one of the people who's that you were describing at the beginning? Yes, most definitely. <laughs> I found that out as well um, just in a recent support group meeting that I attended, um, which again was the carers only meeting, is I found that people were coming to me to talk about how to handle different situations. And it, all of a sudden, it kind of struck me as, oh, gosh, I feel like an old timer now, <laughs> in some respects. But it's like, you've already been through this. And you have a lot of knowledge that you can share with other people to try to make it easier for them. Do you find yourself saying things to people that people said to you? Probably so. I, I hadn't consciously thought of it mm. that way, but I'm sure that there is a lot of that duplication there. You know, today particularly, you know, we've just met each other again today and, and things are really difficult for you at the moment. And all this perhaps uh, what it seems like he is moving towards the end of life. And and I imagine that relationship and that friendship with Valerie is all the more needed now. Yes, that's true. Um, it is, and, and Noel has degenerated a great deal um, very recently. How would... Be, how would, how would you put that across to people. What does that mean for people listening who don't? Well, he's he's he lost his ability to communicate other than uh, with speaking anyway. Um, nine, 12 months ago, actually. He only could say a few words, and now he really can't speak at all. Um, his only real form of communication is to smile when he recognizes you or is pleased with something. And sometimes he laughs. Um, sometimes inappropriately, but but you still do get a laugh out of him at times. But he's having more issues, swallowing issues, uh, mobility issues have been compromised a great deal. And um, you can just tell he's probably having um, some form of small seizures or something like that. So you can tell if you have seen him quite a rapid degeneration. Forgive me, forgive me, you know, any point, just tell me, no, stop these intrusive questions. But I'm just wondering, uh, in terms of your your relationship with Noel, how, how you are feeling at the moment when, when you're seeing him, how he is, and um, how you're being supported. Yeah, it's it's very difficult because you want to go there, you want to be with him, yet because you can't have a conversation with him and you actually can't even really tell him any detail of story or anything to try to to give him some information uh, because he just doesn't have the attention span for it anymore. Um, it's hard. It's very difficult seeing him like that. And, and, there's, and you want to do things for him, but there's not much you can do. And when you're together and you're not doing anything, mm -hmm. um, how, are you still able to feel um, your feelings of connection and love for him? 
You do. I think I think as time goes on with, with PCA particularly that your feelings change. Yes, I still love him dearly, but it's a different kind of love. Um, and the one way I've, I've expressed it before is, is, you know, are you still in love with that person? Not in the same way you were, obviously, when you met and when you got married, um, but you still love that person and you only want them to, you know, the best for them, whatever is best for them. Uh, I don't want him to suffer any more than he already has. Most people, when they think of dementia, they automatically think Alzheimer's and they think of somebody who's in their late 70s or 80s, something like that. Um, and that's not the case at all. I certainly re um, realized that coming from the States because there when somebody would talk about you didn't hear the word dementia very often. You would hear about Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, well, I think still today, um, I think, you know, things are changing. That's what this this hub is about as well, yes. created out of mind is... Um, a close friend of mine who who knows the work that I've been doing, and she 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 gave me a ring and she said, uh, "Oh well, I just wanted to let you know that we've um, we've got the uh, diagnosis for mum, and oh, it's a real relief because it's dementia, it's not Alzheimer's." <laughs> and I think what I, I think that a lot of people don't realise that Alzheimer's is a form of dementia, exactly. and it's such a small thing, and that uh, somehow dementia is. Uh, you know, something to do with aging, whereas Alzheimer's is... Well, I think that, and I think from my experience in the States, if someone said they had dementia, it was almost looked at as they had just kind of, you know, were crazy, <laughs> quite <laughs> honestly, um, and not realizing that dementia is like the umbrella term and there are so many different types of dementia that anyone could have. I think it's the power of um, you telling your story and other people like you that has has an imp that that creates the change. And I wonder if at the support groups was it was the format mainly pe the formal support groups? Is it mainly people sharing their stories or? Um, it's sharing your stories, but actually in the regular support group meetings, we've had incredible speakers who have come in to give us information. It might be about drugs. It might be about. Um, it could take any flavor. It could be about what's happening or some kind of improvements that they've made. It might be a, a reading app that somebody's coming up with because reading is very difficult for them because everything is the visual spatial By them you mean people who are experiencing PCA Yes, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so we get a lot of people coming in who are, are giving us information about, you know, here are some things that you might try or here are some developments that are happening. Um, and also realizing that all the things that are coming along now probably would not have a significant effect like on Noel or people that are being diagnosed right now. But the hope is that in the future and as we continue with the research and everything else that it will have an impact on people in the future. And I think the research thing has been very important for us. We've taken part in um, – Noel, actually, when he was first diagnosed, has take, took part in research projects at UCL for several years. Um, he had to stop at some point, but then I got involved in being in some of those research studies. That's how you're here, right, as well? Yes, <laughs> it is. 
we've been t- talking a bit about how important support groups are. Mm. But you also have a cat, don't you? Or two cats? Yeah, I have two cats, yes. And how are they in, in giving you support? Because a lot um, of people are on their own, aren't they, when they're, they're yes, going through this? they are. Um, I have to say, I think my cats in particular, but I think anyone who has pets are brilliant at therapy for people. <laughs> Whether you're the person who's suffering from an illness or the the partners or carers, um, because they provide just unconditional support to you. Um, they don't know if you've had a particularly bad day or good day or whatever, but they're always there. And I actually have taken the cats in one at a time to visit Noel while he's now in the care home. Mm. And other people there actually will bring pets in from time to time. And it's such a lift to everybody that's there. Um, just the chance to pet somebody, you know, and, and um, it really brings a smile to everybody's face. I wanted to sort of ask you some questions about when Noel was at home and then moving into care home, how how it felt to sort of having to take care of him in an intimate way when, you know, before you, you've had this, an intimate relationship, you know, as anyone, as any couple do, and then having to take care of his needs, how, how, how that was for you and how it affected things. It, it did have a significant impact over time. Um, and actually for a good deal of Noel's illness, he, he needed help with everything, and that was um, dressing, showering he managed on his own for a while, but then it was, you know, you had to help shave him, brush his teeth, everything, and then all personal care um, became an issue. We did um, have a private care who came part of the time, but there's still a lot that you have to deal with yourself, and I found that that, that does affect your own um, personal relationship with with the individual, in that you've now moved into primarily a carer's role versus the spouse's yeah, role. I'm always struck by how sort of we as the sort of you know de- dementia world, let's call it, how right. people use that word carer very quickly, um, and I understand why, but I imagine for a relationship that can be really destructive. Suddenly you're going somewhere and people are like, oh, you're uh, Noel's carer. Well, n- no, actually, you know, we, we were married. We've been lovers for a right. long time. We're, how, how did you deal with that sort of change of, of, of label? It's it's hard, and a lot of people don't really address it. Um, that I think, to be real honest, I think a lot of people just assume that your roles stay the same, even though you're still caring for that person. What but, do you mean by that, your roles? Well, your roles, like as your roles as husband and wife, you know, your your intimate roles, everything else to do with that relationship. Mm. But quite honestly, it did change. Um, it changes for a lot of different reasons, and not just on the intimacy things, but it's your responsibilities of what you take care of in the household, financial, everything else, um, because those people sometimes are no longer able to to deal with any of that. And, I mean, admin can kill any relationship. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> that regardless true. of, of what's, what yeah. else is going on. Um, and that, that wasn't a difficult role for me to f- move into because I'd taken care of myself for so many years um, mm. independently. But it's the intimate role that you have with your partner. For me, that was very challenging because you feel like you're – <clears throat> caring for them on a personal basis 24 hours a day, it doesn't seem, it didn't seem appropriate to me that your intimate relationship stay the same. Is that something to do with power dynamics? Or? I don't know if it's power so much as it was just like, and maybe it is, but it was sort of like I just didn't feel like that was 
a very responsible thing for me to do. And you're right, it might be a power issue, but it was like, I just, it makes you look at your relationship very differently. It's like you've suddenly been put into a different role than you initially had with, with your partner. And um, I just felt it was very difficult to maintain a, a very intimate relationship with him at the same time. Do you yes. think if you'd had someone who was doing all of that, helping Noel dress, and you would be different or not? I'm not sure um, because unless you had a, someone there caring for him 24 hours a day, mm. you're going to deal with it. We had someone who came in every morning and eventually seven days a week and at night the same, but you still have to do all the intervening times. So... I don't know that it really would have made a great deal of difference. I think for a while it was difficult for him, although it, it had been it had been an issue in other ways um, prior to that. But I think for a while he didn't really understand that. But again, you never really knew because of his cognitive um, impairment and because he couldn't express everything himself you know, that he wanted to. At that time, he actually could still speak some words and things. Uh, but I think he found it probably frustrating for a while. Sexually frustrating? Yes. Yes, I think so. Thank you for talking in such an open and frank way. And I wondered whether the, the support groups have helped with that or whether you... Is that something that you share with each other within the support groups? Um, there was one presentation at one of the carers meetings uh, by someone who'd been doing a study, not particularly of PCA, but with other uh, forms of dementia. And some of the people um, that participated in the study had sort of the same opinion as me. Other people, I think, who maybe were not so far along with the progression of their, their particular illness um, were very happy that they could maintain their same intimate relationship for a while. How did that make you feel? Well, and that was difficult for me at the time because we were definitely in the phase of, you know, it's not working. Mm. <laughs> so um, that was a difficult thing to process. And I kept thinking, I can see for some people this may work, but it just didn't in our case. Well, um, everyone, everyone's experience of dementia is different. Yes. Everyone's relationship is different. Yeah. And uh, there's there's no set formula to any of this uh, mm. but, but having said that if you could have kept the intimate side of your relationship going would was there ever a time where you you wanted that or was it just very much the things have changed now um, and... at this point in time I you know I knew it had to end but yes for a while if we could have kept that that would have been great but uh, it it actually ended pretty you know pretty soon after diagnosis because everything was getting to be too difficult um, and but feelings of you know love feelings of love are very separate from feelings of yes. sexual intimacy and right. were you, were you able to continue showing and sharing those feelings with each other? Yes, yes, we definitely were, and uh, and even now, I mean, you can tell um, because as I said, his only form of communication at this point in time is to smile. But when he does see me come into the care home, he. A big smile, you know, his eyes light up and you get a big smile on his face and that in itself is very rewarding. So um, sure. to go back to one point that you made about in the support groups, um, if we were sharing information like that in the, in the main support group for the Facebook page, that did not happen. We had a private chat group of a smaller group of individuals and it was discussed from time to time on there. 
and uh, you know people were a little bit more open in that part but still it's a difficult subject for anybody to talk about absolutely and, uh, i mean best friends don't talk about no. the, these things at the at the best of times do they yeah. or, uh, so maybe when someone's particularly uh at the, in the first uh, flushes then they yes. might overshare but other than that, something <laughs> no that it's really it's a about. really difficult thing to talk about stories you're here now sharing you know for want of a better word sharing a story your story this is you know this is your this is your life this is what is happening now and 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 the power of that of sharing that and the power of people telling stories within within supportive groups and the work the work that I do working with people in care and nursing homes it's people saying how they feel about where they are and getting those words out and the power of that to, to inform change. And um, I was struck by, in another conversation that we'd had, you, you mentioned that you and Noel have both signed up for your brains to go to UCL, is that right? Yes. Uh, I haven't gone through the formal process at this point, but he has. Um, but I am planning to do that. Um, yes, and this actually came out of one of the support group meetings for carers is they did have someone from the Queen Square Bain brain bank who came to speak to us and I didn't really realize the significance of how important that was because they don't get that many brain donations but it's vital to be able to not only assess what the um, the individual actually has you can't do that while they're still alive um, it's not like you can go in and do a biopsy kind of on the brain um, but they also need healthy brains to look at and there's so much research that can be done, and again, it's to progress um, what's happening with the disease and, and the, all of the different types of, types of dementias. So we just felt that was a really important thing to do, and we have made arrangements so that when Noel does uh, pass, that his brain will be donated to Queen Square Brain Bank. I think that's an amazing thing to do, and it, it, it really feels like that's sort of the ultimate archiving of... Yes. of of your life story, really, mm, of, yes. um, of really feeding into that circle of support. I think, I think that we realize that, you know, again, as I said, it's what you can do for people in the future um, because without having the opportunity to, to explore what's going on in someone's brain that's had one of these rare dementias, that's the only way they can make any progress and try to come up with either new treatments or new drugs, whatever it might be. And I think that it's it's just critically important. And, and because um, Noel has suffered a rare dementia, we need to learn as much as we possibly can about that to move forward in the future. My passion really has come from trying to help other people. Um, I have a real passion for trying to get the message out to as many people as possible about the dementias and what what can be done, not only to the people who are um, experiencing it, but to others, um, similar to like what Dementia Friends does, but it's to have other people in the community be more aware and how they can interact with the people to make things easier and better for them. 
Well, I think that's remarkable and um, I think that's a great place for us to finish on. Uh, we'll put a link to Dementia Friends on the website as well as uh, oh, right. we'll have links to the support groups there yes. as well. Um, and if there's anything else that you'd like to link to, we can we can put that on there. Um, okay. But I would just like to thank you, Roberta. Thank you for being here. Thank you to Noel too. And to people who are listening to this now, whether they've downloaded it as a podcast onto their headphones and they're walking through the streets of a city or town or, or whether you're sat at your computer having a listen, there is support out there. It might be a little bit tricky to find sometimes, but if we can all come together, click on the links below and, and we'll help you as best we can. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to Talking Life, brought to you by Created Out of Mind at Welcome. As I said at the start, since this was recorded, Noel has passed away. His brain has been donated to the Queen Square Brain Bank for future research into PCA. Roberta says, Noel is now at peace and hopefully his contributions to research will benefit others in the future. You can also listen to another carer's point of view uh, by clicking on Caroline Kitkat's podcast, talking about being a carer for her mother, Lady Audrey Kitkat. I'm Susanna Howard of Arts and Literature Charity Living Words. Do tell other people. Thank you.